You like the Just Baseball show and want to make your own? Let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's a creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never seen before. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and much more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. you the night that Chris Taylor, AJ Pollock, and Bruce Dar Gratterall saved the Los Angeles Dodgers from being extinct. Extinct. And combined for five home runs. We got a Bruce Dar at bat too. He chipped in a strikeout. But that was a pretty awesome game. That was a pretty awesome game. I mean, Chris Taylor, we talked about it in the chat. This guy is making himself a lot more money. I know that at the end of the day, teams are going to look at a macro scale, but he made himself at least a few more bucks, and it was so sick to watch. Iconic performance tonight, really. It was an iconic performance. I do want to get into the money conversation because you and I both love talking money. It's mm-hmm. so fun. We love talking contract, and that's not something... Have, what? Even though we don't have much of it, we love to talk about it. Exactly. Like, I don't know. That was part of the reason why I think I was branded the weird kid in high school because I cared about who the GM was for all these MLB teams and NBA teams because I wanted to know like their spending habits. And they were like, dude, take a chill pill and just watch the basketball. Like, it's fun. Um, But we're going to get into the money conversation right away. First things first, though, do you know why you're here? Yes, I know why I'm here. Um, This is supposed to be my night on the town. Supposed to be my night on the town, and Peter Apple. Peter Apple was tired. He was He's tired. tired. You know what? I don't, hold on. Before I before I bash our very good friend and partner Peter, he works his ass off. Oh he my wakes God. up at like six a.m. Works out like a weirdo. By the way, working out not worth it. <laughs> works out like a weirdo, and you know what? He's in great shape. So don't tip- take that advice, kids. Yeah, no, other ways to exercise. I play basketball and stuff and then complain about it later. It, he worked really hard, but I've never seen a man hit a wall at like 9 p.m. like Peter Apple does. It's unbelievable. And he loves the West Coast games, but for him, it's like it's like work to stay up to the West Coast game. So I got a text from Peter and well, first I got two calls and I'm like, Peter's calling me twice. Like, well, you know, what's going on here? Either something really good happened or I, I did something bad and, and I need to fix it. And he's like, can you do the podcast? I was like, what happened? He's like, I'm just super tired. And I was like, you know what? Absolutely. I'm in. He made sure my buddy was cool with it, but I want to see what your takeaway was on sleepy Peter. It was funny. He called me twice <laughs> at 749 central. 
four phone calls because he was so tired. He called me twice at 8.50 Eastern, 7.50 Central. He said, call me when you get a sec. He then texted me four minutes later because he couldn't wait. He said, Aram's going to fill in for me tonight. I've gotten about four to five hours of sleep the past few nights and I'm ready to pass out. I was like, dude, totally understand. That's not a lot of sleep. You're a grinder. Like it's, it's fine. You don't need to call everybody four times. And then this is my favorite part. He said, make fun of me though, for going to bed early and make fun of me for losing the bet in the second inning. And I said, you are craving attention. Yeah, still give me my airtime. Yeah. Like, I'm giving up my airtime, but give me my – so, Peter, here you go. <laughs> right, so, of course, in all caps, he texted back, make it about me. <laughs> I was like, okay, <laughs> perfect. So, this episode is entirely about Peter the Apple. Peter so Apple there we go. Yeah, um, so, that, the, fun, the funny last thing I want to say on that is he's so tired that he's working his ass off to not have to do anything like, so he could go to bed early. Like, I'm going to make four phone calls. He texted me multiple times, texted you multiple times. I, honestly, I think if, if, if I didn't answer, he might have hit up my buddy who he doesn't even know, somehow yeah. found his number that I was at dinner with and, like, hit him up and be like, yo, this is Peter Apple. Uh, can you get a hold of Arm? <laughs> but it worked out. Peter's well into his sleep now. I always joke about the REM cycles. He's well into it. He might be past that. Yeah. Uh, that's the last cycle. I don't, I don't remember. But he's twitching and stuff in bed already for sure. Yeah, he's twitching. He's got the rapid eye movement. That's the rem cycle. Oh, for sure. I, th- I think, I think he that. always has that, but yeah. He's seeing splits in his dreams, and he's seeing <laughs> <laughs> he's seeing an over today in the ALCS game stick. Yeah, uh, it's going to be fun. Yeah, I was I was watching the game with my uncle. I bet he would have like DM'd him on Twitter or something, but like, hey, are you with Jack? Like, why is he not answering his phone? It's been six minutes. <laughs> But this episode is not about Peter, unfortunately for Peter. This episode, for the most part, is about Chris Taylor. Mm-hmm. Because you said going into the postseason, before the National League wildcard game, probably five or six games before the regular season concluded, that you thought Chris Taylor was the perfect fit for your Miami Marlins. Because he is yearning for this full-time role. Exactly. He would love to be the leadoff hitting center fielder for a major league baseball team. He deserves that, obviously. And we can say it in hindsight now. Obviously, this guy deserves that. What I love about Chris Taylor is he will find a way on the field. Um, I was sitting there with my uncle after his third bomb, and he, he fired off a tweet, and he said, unrestricted free agent, massive clutch performer, big game performer, Problem is, he can only play center field, shortstop, second base, third base, right <laughs> field. Yeah, he's limited. I think this guy just made $40 million tonight. Uh, on top of what he's going to make? Yeah. You know, that's the thing. is, And somebody responded to one of my tweets kind of about that and, and was like, you know, these GMs are smarter than you think. They are not buying into small samples. And I think there's merit to that. There, there of course is merit to that, right? If, if you come out of nowhere and you have a good postseason uh, and you're 33, it's not going to be enough to, to turn carve out a, a multi-year deal for yourself. But I think when you look at what Chris Taylor has done in multiple clutch spots now throughout his career, uh, also as a guy that had a great year in the abbreviated season last year, had really good stretches until he hit a wall at the end. If it weren't for the slump at the end of the season, you're looking at a, a, a year where he's probably more in the 120 WRC plus range. He was an all-star. And I get people telling me he's a role player. 
that drives me nuts. Drives Just me because nuts. you're versatile and you're not locked into one position does not mean that you're a role player. 582 plate appearances in an all-star is a pretty prominent freaking role uh, in my eyes. So that is stupid. And the one thing I also want to say about what you were talking about with being the guy is, you know, why would somebody want to go from LA the best organization in baseball right now to the Marlins? And I think that's a valid question. It doesn't necessarily have to be the Marlins. There's other teams that would fulfill this itch. What I will say though, is Miami's a good place for him. Also, not only does he get to be the every single day player, even though he basically was an everyday player, but he was always the one that had to move around to stay in the lineup. Like you said, with the Marlins, he's their best hitter. He's their best player. He's the guy with the posters all over the stadium. Really, he's going to be marketed as the all-star if the Marlins go get this guy. No state income tax. And you're in Miami. And you get to be the dude. You go from being an afterthought, because at the end of the day, when he's not coming up huge here, he's just another dude in a loaded lineup. Yep. Now you're the guy. And that says a lot about the team. They're probably still going to suck. But being the guy in Miami, pretty cool opportunity, I think. You and I both love spot track. Uh, that is the contract tabulating. Um, it, it's almost like the checkbook for contracts, or it's the, the big Rolodex of, of what guys are making across all sports, Major League Baseball, NBA, NFL, every major contract you can see on spot track. What we like is the upcoming free agent class. You can see market value, what these guys are valued at on an average annual value basis. Uh, and also a predicted contract. So Track has Chris Taylor at four years, $44 million. I think you and I both agreed for an all-star, granted 31 years old, but an all-star that has so much defensive versatility and a good enough bat to put together another all-star season, that's a drastic underpay for Chris Taylor. Yeah. Before this I game, I would have said four years... 50, four years, 55. Mm -hmm. I think now this with their backs against the wall, solidifying how unbelievably clutch this guy is. And I know it's recency talking, but I don't think it's crazy. And I'm not saying I would hand him this, but I don't think it's crazy that a major league GM and a smart major league GM is going to come to Chris Taylor and offer him five years, $85 million. I think that that's not even that crazy realistically because this guy ages well in my eyes. Yes. He, there's a big athleticism component to his game. He stole 13 bags, but he hits and as he ages, okay, you move him from center. Now he plays left or right or second, and you're still getting a ton of value with the bat. He's still going to be a good athlete out there. So the last year or two of that contract, I think are still going to be strong. I still think he'll be the same guy at 34. He's, he's somebody that came up a bit late. He doesn't have as many miles on him. Knock on wood, hasn't really dealt with any serious injuries. And I think his game is pretty pretty simple. His swing is, is not high effort. I don't see a guy that would age poorly. I think that I would give it to him. Really, if money wasn't a thing, I would give it to him. I think he might be pricing himself out of a team like the Marlins with the way he's performing because – now he can really solidify himself as that postseason clutch performer. The, some people just have that knack. I think no one's debating that about Randy Rosarena. Nobody's debating that about Kike Hernandez at this no. point. This isn't the first time he's done that. Uh, Pablo Sandoval, he was always a legit postseason dude. Yep, he got yep. paid way too much because of what he did there. So there's just certain players that do that. And 
I think that now we're see, we're going to see that Spro track updated to probably somewhere around 15 million AAV and you give them three, four years. I think five's a little much, maybe a fifth year option, but I don't think it's that crazy to get that. And that's not even the recency bias in my eyes. I don't think it's that crazy either. Um, I also view him on an annual value point of view. I view him as more valuable than Daniel Murphy was when he signed his high annual value deal, right? It was one year 20, I think, for Daniel Murphy. It was around that ballpark. But with Daniel Murphy, I mean, that guy was not that great before the postseason where he stood on his head and he homered in seven straight games. (laughs) And then all of a sudden, a bunch of teams wanted Daniel Murphy, even though he was... Uh, very screwed up politically. We didn't really see eye to eye with with some of his uh, social uh, preferences. I, I didn't even remember that, honestly. I, I, I'm good not knowing about it's, that. It's water under the bridge. Yeah, don't worry about Daniel Murphy right now. But like the way that I'm viewing Chris Taylor, and I don't think a lot of people were, you know what? I'm not even going to tell you. I'm going to pose this hypothetical to you. And that's kind of me telling you. Who do you give the better contract to? Chris Taylor. Or Anthony Rizzo? Oh, geez. Realistically, and like, it, it's it's funny because name value here, people might think I'm nuts, but it really is Anthony Rizzo. You just put me in a shitty spot, though, because the objectively true answer is, is Chris Taylor. You, you're you know older. You, you, were, you were about to say it, and then you're like, I don't want to be the one that says it. I'm going to make Arm say it. No. And you made me say it. No. But you know no. what? And, and I love Rizzo. I love Rizzo. I've had the opportunity to, to meet this guy. He's so cool. So nice. Hell of a ball player. Great defender. All around will be a great addition to whatever team picks him up. But he's limited to first base where he's a good defender, but he's limited to first base. And his offensive production is around the same, maybe even a, bit, a little bit less over the last two years than Chris Taylor. But if you talk about the average of his career, it's about the same in the OPS category. And it's about the same in the home run department over the last couple of seasons. Chris Taylor provides speed. And now you're also talking about a guy that can play center and everywhere else. It's really a no brainer in terms of who, who I would prefer. And I think it's the same across the board for everybody. Here's the thing. No defensive versatility with Rizzo. Anthony Rizzo is also 32 years old. Chris Taylor's 31. So it's not like you're gaining a year anywhere with Rizzo. Uh, Rizzo is obviously seeing a decline in power. Chris Taylor Power's not that massive a part of his game. Speed isn't either. Chris Taylor is just a really good baseball player. Yep. I think the better contract should go to Chris Taylor. Yeah, I agree. 100%. So that's that. Um, No doubt about it. And also one more, I love citing contracts in the past. And somebody that's kind of interesting is a good reference point is his teammate, AJ Pollock. Where AJ Pollock had a phenomenal 2015 season, was hurt all of 2016, had a good 2017 where he had an 800 OPS and then did the same thing in 2018, 800 OPS, uh, 14 home runs, then 21 home runs respectively in, in about 112 games. He still ends up getting that offseason, four years, 55 million from the Dodgers. I really feel like Chris Taylor could exceed that easily. And that's what we were seeing the projections were for him or a little bit less than that. He should be getting four years... 65, 60, four years, 60, I think is, is easy with an option. And that's more than I think Rizzo is going to get. Yeah. I just see Chris Taylor getting more than that. You think you get more? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, this was, this was two years ago, three years ago, almost. And 
I think Pollock was a lesser candidate there. So you could easily say four year 70. Uh, that, that I think it could be between 470 and 480 with an option. That's, that's pretty damn, or like heavily incentivized. That's probably what we'll see. And that's pretty freaking sweet. Good for him. And I, I hope he goes to a place where he gets to be like the man. Yeah. You know who just jumped to my mind? Um, ben Zobrist, who oh, signed. It looks like Ben Zobrist. I'm pulling it up right now. Ben Zobrist signed four years, 56 with the Cubs. And I think that took him 33 through 37. Yeah, he might get 580. Five years. It's 580. It might be 580. Damn. Wow. Let's spend a moment on AJ Pollock because he just had a multi-homer day. Like these guys. Here's my thing about the Dodgers. Here's my thing about the new look Yankees too. The Yankees, I talked about this with Peter and he, he pushed back a little bit because of the big signing of DJ LeMahieu and their <laughs> willingness to, to make the big signing. But aside from Garrett Cole, a lot of the guys that are impact players for the Yankees were either homegrown, bought for cheap, or in Giancarlo Stanton's deal, your Marlins were just looking to dump off that contract. Yeah, yeah. They, they basically just said, hey, you, you want to get Giancarlo Stanton for about 90 cents on the dollar of what we paid, just like you signed him in free agency? Sure. That's basically what the Marlins did. They're eating 30-something million of it. So, yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I mean, you look at what Luke Voigt meant to them in 2020. I know it wasn't a successful season, but he was their best player uh, offensively for sure. You look at what... Gio Urshula, when he's healthy, is done for them. It, obviously, he's been hurt over the last – those two guys have not been factors over the last year, but those guys have been huge for them. And they were by low. And they were by nothing. By they nothing. They literally gave up nothing for that. Glaber Torres was, I'm going to go give you Chapman. I'm going to sign Chapman back, which was their other big signing, but I'm going to go get him. Gary Sanchez, homegrown. homegrown. Aaron Judge, homegrown. homegrown. DJ LeMayhew bought for relatively cheap. You know, the Dodgers follow a very similar mold. And we talk about all their money. You know where they're spending the money? Retention. Yes, they paid massive money annually for Trevor Bauer. But all the other guys on this team, really, Mookie Betts was trade. And it looks pretty even now with Verdugo, Jeter Downs. I'm still holding out a little bit of hope. Connor Wong, I'm still great in the fall, great in the fall league. Three homers already in the fall league, believe it or not. Jeter Downs. Three homers in the fall league. So that's a good sign. I, I'm a big Jeter Downs fan. Miami guy was unbelievable at high school, and, and I loved him as a prospect. So I'm not giving up hope on him. But, I mean, look, they did the best they could, given that the leverage was gone for the Red Sox. When you when everybody knows that you're not re-signing him, it's pretty hard to get a nice package and look where the Red Sox are. It's pretty hard. So the Dodgers pounced on that opportunity. They signed him up because they knew they have a top-five player in baseball in their hands. So Mookie was the big splash, go out and get him signing, aside from Bauer. We know Bauer is zero part of this postseason run. Everybody else, they spent the money on retention. Kershaw, they drafted him. Bellinger, they drafted him. He's still going through arbitration. Justin Turner, they got him when he was pretty much outcasted by the Mets. All these guys, Trey Turner and Max Scherzer, they were the trade. They are so good at development. They are so good at wringing the towel dry. I was just talking about this particular deal 
um, with my uncle. And I keep bringing up my uncle because he's an afternoon sports talk host in Chicago, like hosts the Chicago show, you know, does some fill in play by play for the Cubs, like does he, he is totally in tune with his shit baseball wise. And he recalled is his name Hector Olivares. Yeah. The 2015 guy that they paid $28 million worth of a bonus yep. to, and then immediately traded him for like four vets. <laughs> I mean, my uncle Matt Spiegel is his name. He, he cited their willingness to think about unlimited money in a new creative way. Yeah. That's the thing is it's not just blind spending. No, it's strategic yeah. as hell. And I brought up the Scherzer Turner deal because that was strategic as hell with unlimited money. Oh, we're going to put together not necessarily the best prospect capital return that you're going to get. 15 other teams could have offered a better prospect haul if they knew that they could get Max Scherzer and Trey Turner in the same deal. But what the Dodgers could offer that nobody else could offer was, oh, you don't want to spend this money? Fuck it. We'll do it. We'll eat it all. We'll eat it. We'll eat it all. We want them. That's something that nobody else can do. And Andrew Friedman has the creativity to go to the people with the paychecks or go to the people with the checkbooks and say, give us the money. We'll get you 106 wins. Yep. Yep. And that's the beautiful thing. And what makes it's unfortunate, the money side of it, because it, it lacks a little parity. But the thing is, is the Dodgers leverage that with a ton of stockpiled talent. If you just had the money, you're not getting Scherzer and Trey Turner. No, you don't have enough ammo. You could say, I'll take the salary dump, but you're not going to have enough players to be able to justify the trade for them. At the end of the day, yes, the Nationals would like to save money, but they also need to survive as a team. And they're going to take the prospect hall if it's they're not going to just dump money like the Marlins did with Stan. Right. They also did they did the pre-Manny Machado thing. You remember Baltimore holding out because they were worried they were going to ostracize their fan base. Um, like, oh, we we got to hold on to Manny Machado. We, we got to keep our fan base happy. Like the Nats are in the interest of not losing their fans by just throwing in the towel. They needed some return for their two best player, or two of their three best players. Sorry, Juan Soto. But yeah. um, like they needed return for two of their three best players. They needed something to float in front of the Nats fan base, the people that pay to go see the games, pay for jerseys, pay for beers at the ballpark and say, look at what's coming. Look what's going to be here for six years. And they got it. A hundred percent. And you have two guys that are already there and that could be all-stars for your team moving forward and keep it Ruiz and also Josiah Gray, two players everybody likes. They're, they're high floor and still could be really, really good ball players. I like what you said there because the, the Orioles screwed themselves by waiting until the final year of his deal because you lose all leverage. Baseball is a game of control. You need years of control. The, what, the, the Nationals would have done the same thing if they held on to Trey Turner through the rest of this year and then didn't trade him in the offseason, which is the hardest to trade him then. And you try to make a deal come deadline next year, you're getting a fraction of that. You're not getting a keeper, Ruiz. You're not getting a Josiah Gray. Forget both of them. I know that Scherzer was part of the deal, but a big reason why they got what they got is because they traded Trey Turner. Trey Turner's net value was more than Scherzer, as good as Scherzer has been. Way, way more. So when you consider that, I mean, it's brilliant. It sucks, but it was the best move that the Nationals could make. They're not winning with Trey Turner, and they knew they weren't going to be able to extend him. So cash in right now the best way you can, and that was packaging him with Scherzer. It's just crazy 
to see those two guys end up on the same team in L.A. And that team in L.A. is still down a game despite today's incredible performance. Incredible performance. We already talked about Chris Taylor and A.J. Pollock. Last guy that I want to talk about on the Dodgers side is Bruce Dargraderol. And this is another guy where Andrew Friedman is flexing his muscles. I am better than you, everybody. He flips Kenta Maeda, who is going to be the six for the Dodgers, knowing that you don't necessarily need a world-class bridge man. You've sent him to a team where he might be the ace, might be the two. And you go and get this 103-mile-an-hour turbo sinker that doesn't get a lot of swings and misses. And I have no idea why, because it's got a ton of movement and it's 103 fucking miles per hour. But Bruce Dar Gratterall just put together an insanely gutsy performance in an elimination Again. game. Again, awesome. he's been doing it. He's been doing it. You, you can tell he's the type of dude that feeds off the crowd and really feeds off the moment. And that's where the velo ticks up. It's amazing how sinkers don't get the swings and misses that they should, right? It's because everything they throw ends up having a similar action. So players are able to somewhat set on one spot. That being said, he is just instead, he's basically becoming a reverse Mariano Rivera, which is like, here's the sinker coming to you, you right-handed hitter. And there's nothing you can do about it because it's going to hit you on your fists. And basically what Mariano would do to lefties, he's doing to righties. He's like, you know it's coming. You might as well just give him the glove flip and say, here's 103 on the hands. Try it. And it's working. It's working. And and that's the thing is he can literally do that because he's throwing baseballs in a way we've really never seen baseballs thrown. It's on it's Chapman with movement. And while Chapman might get more swings and misses, I think Gratterall is getting to the point now where he's learning himself and learning how he's most effective. He might be the hardest dude to barrel if he continues to, to – hone in on the command and maximize his stuff. I mean, how do you barrel that guy? you got to cheat so hard. Dude, that slider. Sick. Sick. And now he sets it up properly. And now he's learning how to pitch as a reliever. So for so long, they were trying to make him a starter. It's not going to work. He's not a starter. That slider doesn't make sense. Him and Blake Trinan, they should have zero ERA. I don't understand how anybody touches what they do. My grandpa calls me once a week and says the same thing. These guys today, they're, they're just so much different. I mean, like, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. My, my guys were you – know, Ted Williams, one of the best hitters I've ever seen. I think he could hit today, but forget about it. You know, he's from the Bronx. And he watched all those guys play, and he's just like, this is just a different beast. It's just not even close. Number one, I love the rasp that you just gave your grandpa. That was a good, that was a good rasp in the voice. Uh, number two, I've heard Peter say the same exact thing. His dad will call him and say, Derek Henry is the best running back I've ever seen. <laughs> and I understand. Like, I know everybody wants to look back and have the sentimental value on Barry Sanders and, you know, whoever else, Marshall Falk, you know, even for us, Adrian Peterson, we think about AP in his, in his days with Minnesota and we say, nobody's ever going to touch that. And it's but not even to knock them too. It's just like relative to their era that, that I respect them at the same level. Here's the thing. Human performance will never dip. It's only going to keep on yeah. growing because we're learning more about our bodies. Buck Showalter said in the early to mid to 2010s, like I want to say this is when Machado is really hitting his peak. I want to say it was like 2014, 2015. Buck Showalter said, we are in the golden age of baseball. People are throwing harder. They're hitting the ball farther and they're running faster than ever before. That is not necessarily a shift in baseball. There's a shift in focus in baseball to do those three things. 
but it's just a shift in athletic performance. Yeah. That's across all sports. LeBron James in the eighties is God. Like he's, if you ask Dennis Rodman, Dennis Rodman says he would have been an average player in the eighties. Dennis Rodman would be the 10th man on the Detroit Pistons. But he hustles. But he hustles. hustles. I forgot. Forgot about the hustle. Um, Six, eight, tenner. Yeah, sorry. Bob Cousy is a G League okay. six man. <laughs> he's 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 Jimmer Fredette. No, I don't uh, even know what Bob Cousy's game looked like, so I can't even pretend. It's just because human performance is better now. And Bruce Dar Gratterall, there's going to be another that comes along. I don't know who it's going to be, but there's going to be another in 10 years. But Bruce Dar is the first to ever look like this. Yes. Chapman was the first to ever look like that. And Bruce Dar said, I'm going to do that but somehow look lower effort with my delivery and also tail it a shit ton. And we'll see if anybody can hit it and people can hit it. They just can't hit it hard. A little bit of it is that low effort where I think at times he's a little bit easy to read out of the hand and he gets away with it because the stuff's crazy. And that's where Chapman was different because Chapman gave you that little chappy twist and that ball was getting at whether he was throwing 96 always or 103, which is what he did more of is in the triple digits as he was young. 96 would have gotten on you quick with the way that he hit that ball and got the crazy extension. And I think that's what made him different. And that's why people might be wondering, how are you, how are you saying that Gratterall stuff is more insane when his numbers don't touch what Chappies were? Well, it's because Chapman was doing that by, and also creating a level of deception that you see from uh, lefties who are finesse pitchers. Chris He's got Young. lefty finesse. Yeah. He's got like lefty finesse and deception and then also 103. So as Gratterall continues to develop that side of his thing, you know, his, of his game and, and tunneling and all of the stupid little terminology that is actually really important to pitching, then he's going to, he's going to be, he's going to be in that same conversation. Yeah. We can take a deep breath with this series. They get going again in Atlanta on Saturday. Uh, just to wrap up the pod tonight, ALCS, game six, Nathan Yavaldi, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, Yavaldi and Luis Garcia going at it in Houston. Over, 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 over. I don't know what it is yet. I'm presuming it's under 10. If it's under 10, I'm taking me over. If it's wow. under 10, I'm ta- Luis Garcia, I think, is a very solid middle rotation pitcher in this game moving forward. He's not ready. His stuff has to be so perfect. Look at the, look at the batting average on his fastball. I don't have it in front of me. I know it's atrocious. It's atrocious. His secondary stuff is really good. He's got a deep bag of about five pitches, and he has to be perfect right now. I think he's got to find a way to make his fastball more effective. The secondary stuff, he has to backdoor, guys. He has to locate it. It's just too hard for him right now as a rookie in this stage. He found ways to mix his stuff up and be really effective in the regular season, had a phenomenal year as a rookie, and I think he's going to continue to trend upwards. But right now he needs to figure out how to mask the fastball a bit better, and it's just not the right spot for him. Was I right about the fastball statistics? I'm looking at it right now. Uh, I'm on pitcher list, and Kyle Horton wrote an article on August 3rd titled, Luis Garcia might have a fastball issue. (laughs) There you go. There you go. Opponents are hitting 293 on his fastball this year. I think they're slugging like 462. So it, it, it's definitely a problem. And this is a team that that's they'll wait you out and, it, and they will wait you out and make you come to them and throw good pitches. And if he's not locating the secondary stuff, I think it's going to be tough for him. We talked about how the Astros bullpen was taxed, but now it's not. 
for Amber Valdez goes out there and pitches to contact and goes eight. And now you have, now you have the whole bullpen ready. You have Kendall Graveman ready. You have a lot of dudes good to go. That makes me a little bit concerned about the over, but Nate Eovaldi, I think is not going to go as deep. He's probably going to go five innings. We saw what happened to Scherzer and his fatigue. I'm very interested to see what Eovaldi looks like. Those were high effort pitches. You could hear him grunting from your home. I just, I, I could see this being short starts from both guys and, it goes back to these bullpens that are not great. You ready for Javier to get stretched out tonight, or is that tomorrow, game seven? I think you got to save him for game seven because he might have to go four. Yeah. We could have a, I think we're going to have a classic game seven, which kind of gives you my prediction for game six. Yeah. And we're going to have a classic game seven where it's going to be back and forth, might even go to extras, and Javier is going to have to go five innings. Yeah. I'm not saying that you can bank on that as a manager. But I think that there's a level of, would you rather have Javier maybe go two? Because I think that's all he's really good for in this one is, is, is two. Or you go game seven if you can't win it here. You have Graveman available, so you, that can be your guy that goes two. And you have Javier go potentially five in a piggyback if you have to, if he keeps doing what he's doing. I would rather have that situation, especially now that Javier is available, Presley's available. You can go with your A bullpen team minus Javier, and then stretch the hell out of Javier in Game 7. That's what I would do. I think there's going to be a Game 7, too. He's Aram. I'm Jack. All the necessary links are in the podcast episode description. Uh, Most notably, uh, the Just Baseball tee at Pillbox Batco. We talked about that. Very comfy shirt. Go get it. Sweet design. It's about to make it on my Instagram, by the way. I just made the switch to public. I don't know if I'm going to regret it. I didn't realize that it also instantly accepts all the follow requests. Yeah. So now I, I can't, I don't, I can't even follow everybody back. I don't, I don't know how to, I don't know how to do it, whatever. It, but yeah. So I'm throwing up a picture in the, in the just baseball tee. It's great. I might pull a Will Cohen and not take it off for three days, wow. but yeah, I'm arm waiting. This was fun. Astros win game six. No. Well, that means you were not seeing a game seven. I mean, Red Sox win. <laughs> Why do I do that with those two teams? I don't know. It's late. It's a ele- it's eleven thirty central. Cut that out, or just leave this now of me saying cut that out, and that's even more embarrassing. You, yeah, I think I'm going to leave it. I might also do another countdown. Three, two, one. Okay. Thank you, everybody.